I'm one of them fighters, you know, I'll step in the ring with whoever. And I think it's time now where Canelo needs to step in with Triple G because everyone's been waiting for that fight. So I showed my balls by getting in the ring and... He took the risk. He gave up everything. No concession. Now it's time for him to take the risk and quit hiding behind little stuff, okay? Amir took the risk. Why is it important for you guys that Canelo takes that risk against Triple G? It seems personal. Because he set the tone. Amir set the tone. Fighters should fight each other. We're taking the tone. He took the risk. He did it. He got to quit hiding behind the flag and fight Triple G. We are back. And it's unfortunate that we had to have Jason on this week because he's Golovkin's biggest fan. So if you're a Golovkin fan, you are going to love this podcast. No, no snarky comment from you, Jason? I don't like you know how I feel about the fight. So I don't know why you'd be saying that. Why I'd be saying that? Who have you been hanging out with? <laughs> Crawford. <laughs> Crawford was great on ESPN in the fact that Max had to really pull and do a lot of talking for him, at least when he was on first take. Let's get into it, though. Um, Listen, Gennady Golovkin fought Canelo. I was there live in the arena to watch the fight. Now, there is a big elephant in the room that I guess everyone is talking about, and that's the 118-110 to scorecard by Adelaide Bird. And here's the thing. I don't think there's much to say. Like, what are we going to do? There are, there are only a few avenues that we could take on it. One, corruption. Two, incompetence. That's it. Like, if you yep. really break it down, what could we say about that scorecard? All we'll really be doing is complaining. And I don't know about you, but my mom used to complain a lot to me when I was a kid. Like, we'd just be cleaning and she'd just be complaining. And so, I don't really enjoy listening to complaining like essentially it just comes back to the same thing of i wish it was different it shouldn't be this way blah 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 okay so let's take a different route towards uh tackling the scoring of this fight and let's just ask this question was this a tough fight to score what's your opinion absolutely in my opinion this was absolutely a tough fight to score and hold on well, before you go on i just want to say okay. this, this is yeah. not to justify the 118 110 scorecard oh we're throwing that yeah. out we're, we're literally just going to talk in a vacuum throw all biases and all uh, opinions well, out the window just was it a tough fight to score i'll give my my first bias is that um i just i don't think it was corruption i think it was just if you want to call it incompetence fine but I'm not, I'm not even willing to necessarily go that far because of it because of how difficult this fight could have been to score for a judge who has a specific style preference. Okay, and when you're talking about judging fights at this level or any level, when you're analyzing yourself as a judge, meaning what do I like? in a round? What do I like in a fighter? What do I perceive as, you know, um, things that will make a fighter win a round? We have four sets of criteria, right? And you should be going through those. Um, But that's not to say that judging isn't subjective, because it obviously is. And it's not to say that, um, you know, scores for this fight couldn't be very wide 
this is one of the fights that I think could have a very wide range of acceptable scores. Acceptable. Not what you scored it, not what I scored it, but acceptable. Just because I don't have the same style preference, um, you know, that Adelaide Bird has. Uh, and, you know, again, we'll take that scorecard out because I, I can't even say that it's an okay score because it's really not. But you come in, uh, you know, two rounds closer towards Glovkin, and that's a fine score, right? Or you, it's just yeah. a, for, yeah. for me, right? So, you know, I saw the acceptable ranges of, um, you know, of scorecards of anywhere from like 116 to Canelo to 117 for Glovkin. I, which I is think, like about a five. I think that'd be a swing. little wide for Golovkin, but I, I, I'll hear it out. Yeah, I can I, see that. I mean, if you I want really you to think about it like activity, this. think if you sure. preferenced activity exactly. If you prefer activity and that's your preference as a judge, I think that you could make a reasonable case for that scorecard that wide to Golovkin. I think it becomes harder to make the case for Canelo, even with the harder punches, because there was a level of you know inactivity in some rounds that made it difficult but there was even you know personally i think i, I scored it uh 115 uh for glovkin that was and i actually gave one of the middle rounds to canelo which were glovkin's kind of best rounds yeah and it was just because of this like amazing punch that that was the ninth round you're talking that canelo about landed. the right hand yeah it glovkin? was just this it, like and he had no answer for it. Right. If you, you watch know, that, so Golovkin just barely took some of that punch off. If he was moving forward, I think Golovkin might have went down. I mean, he he kind of rolled it a little bit, and I think that was a big difference. But I get what you're saying though about, um, you know, you had it for mostly for Golovkin in the middle rounds and activity. If you're favoring activity, it, it is pretty wide for Golovkin. Yeah, if you're favoring activity, it is wide for Glovkin. And um, I and I think this fight was very easy. So, so here's always been my perspective on scoring boxing. Uh, judging and scoring activity alone is a cop-out and in, in, in a poor man's way to score, right? It's, it's what you score when you style. don't understand – Hold on. Yeah, sure. But it's also what you score if you don't understand the finer points of boxing, right? Anybody could see activity. It's just somebody throwing their arms, right? Not everybody could see defense, ring generalship, you know, and uh, effective aggression. Those become harder to understand. It takes a while to truly understand how to watch a punch land. Judging, I guess all I'm trying to say is judging boxing is very difficult. Um, so many punches could be thrown and they're grazing and they, they, they connect, but now you have to decide how much is that punch worth in the context of the round. Right. And, uh, it's just, it's extremely, extremely difficult. I think judging, um, you know, activity alone is how you get to Harold Letterman's scorecard. All of his scorecards. You mean, I mean, literally, Uh, I, I, I downloaded the fight. His scoring, his scoring is going, really downhill lately but yeah i there, there was there's one he's part. always had a press he's always had a preference for the aggressor always except when the aggressor is the b-side but let's not <laughs> even go there but um, he was the b-side right and well yeah i mean in this case they're 
A and A minus. Oh, really? One, one, a million pay-per-view buys to 170. Let's let's talk more about Pop- A side, B side. Popularity wise, but anyways, let's stick to. But here, uh, in the we're gonna get to. I want to talk about Harold in full detail later on. So sure. let's save that. Yeah, sure, sure. So yep. I I think that there were lots of acceptable score scores that you could have for this fight, and it was a tough fight because they both did different things, and they both did them extremely well. Well. To varying degrees, actually, of of effectiveness, and I think, um, I I think uh, we'll get into that um, a little later. Let's just kind of like change the question, but we'll still address that. So mm-hmm. let's throw the scorecards out for a second. Yeah. Before the the, the 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 they read out the decisions. What were the headlines? Like one of the things that just stuck out to me before they read the scorecards was like, wow. This might have actually delivered on the hype it got going into it. Like every single thing that you could look for in a fight, you had it. You had the momentum changes. You had moments where both guys looked hurt. You had um, the, the the rounds where one guy looked spectacular. You had each guy being pushed out of their normal style of fighting. Canelo doesn't usually fight off the back foot. Now he can and he's very effective and he's shown in the past, but he's more of a pocket fighter. And he was able to fight off the back foot and outbox Golovkin. And Golovkin's usually a guy that does not get backed up. He was backing up. And so um, for he you, he was backing up. Yeah, he was backing up when Canelo was being active, right? right. Uh, but to I, I be mean, fair to the context of the fight, uh, Canelo spent a lot of times languishing on the ropes. Right, but Canelo either, was able to back him up at times, which is well, usually yeah, you don't was get to do. Absolutely able to. No, he was absolutely able to. Uh, and in some cases, you would see Canelo back on the ropes, and he would just faint, almost like a little faint, and Glovkin would take a step back. So to to answer your question, though, I think that the headline coming out of the fight before the scorecards were read were, how did Canelo get Glovkin to fight so cautiously? Like you had a uh, you had a Glovkin in there who didn't throw any body shots. Like, that's unheard of. Like, body work is his game. It's how he gets people out of there, especially in the later rounds. Like, he digs to that body. Even in the later, later rounds of this fight, Glovkin gave, did no body work. And why was that? Well, he's afraid of the return fire because of Canelo's, you know, sharp counterpunching abilities completely negated one of Glovkin's biggest assets. But he did that before... Canelo had even landed a punch of any significance was, as well. Well, this is what I'm saying. He was, Glovkin went into this fight extremely respectful of what Canelo brought to the table. And why would I say respectful, meaning like uh, he was going to try to basically avoid getting hit more than he ever has, right? Like Glovkin, that was Glovkin's uh, defensive mind coming out do you defensive strategy do you think that you know how they say sometimes and it's funny nobody said that but like oftentimes will be you'll hear some narrative like okay how is this fighter going to react because he's never been on a stage like this do you think that that could apply here that Golovkin was on a stage that was unfamiliar to him and I know he's fought on pay-per-view before but this was different and do you think Golovkin kind of had that sort of like intimidation almost. And I hate to say intimidation because people are going to think that I'm trying to, you know, talk down to Golovkin or something, but it's really not that. But like he was just overcome and overly respectful of Canelo because the moment he started pressing the action and kind of fighting the way he normally fights, he was fine. Let's be real. The first three rounds, Golovkin was completely out of his element. 
yeah, he's like he a was. lost dog. He couldn't he jab. He was eating. He, I mean, he was eating punches. He was walking forward without any real reason. He wasn't getting, uh, you know, Canelo to the ropes in any kind of meaningful manner. He he didn't do any kind of real meaningful work. Um. So yeah, I don't know if it was the stage, the big being on the big stage that got to him because he's been there before, right? I don't know if it was just. Uh, who knows what the hell those sparring sessions back in 2011 really looked at, looked like. Maybe Canelo was getting the better of him, and he knew going into this fight that, you know, this kid's got some tools that, you know, I've had a problem with before. Uh, because I saw a, a hesitant, tentative, um, I'm not going to say fearful, but apprehensive, yeah. you know, Glovkin in the first three rounds. And then, like you said, he kind of turned it up to his one gear which is like his normal gear right but then he never went beyond that and right even he, he didn't even all the way get to his normal gear though because there was no body work and there was no uh he never got to that point where he was like letting punches fly and not worrying about the return fire like say the Giel fight or uh macklin or you know any of those other lesser fighters that he's fought right yeah well um he, he never than, exactly like so he never got to that point where he was able to just let he dude he barely planted his feet and threw power punches like i mean his I punches he did i thought he threw some eh, power punches but i think how okay let not me, the let's same way the question that he normally does do yeah. you think that after he landed a few power shots and canelo just kind of like shook his head or basically just stood staring at him that Golovkin realized he needed to change things up because now he needed to worry about the counters, but also those power punches that he was throwing, they're not going to get the job done. Right. Well, he knew that he wasn't going to get him out of there with one punch. And then all of a sudden now he has to be worried about the counters. You know, in my opinion, although I scored the fight for Golovkin, I think that the, the winner was the way that Canelo was able to kind of neutralize Glovkin in many ways. Um, I don't care. Sitting on the ropes and getting hit with pitter-patter shots is, is not the worst place to be for a boxer. And and that's what a lot of this fight was. And just so, you know, if you're thinking like, oh, Jason's just being overly biased towards Golovkin, this is a guy that picked Golovkin to stop Canelo and is a, you know, admitted oh. Golovkin fanboy. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't know that I picked him to stop him. But Dude, I, I are definitely, you kidding me? You, you picked him to stop him. I think, yeah, at the end of the week, I was feeling pretty confident. I mean, You're I right. don't know if you were drinking or something, but you even called me and told me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I definitely was very confident. So that's why I guess that's what I'm saying is I think, you know, the true narrative of this fight ended up being like, damn, Canelo's got some serious defense. It, serious. I mean, Canelo's just got skills altogether. And he so, does. I mean, he he. What you were basically saying was that Canelo turned Golovkin into a volume puncher, and that's not right. Golovkin. Golovkin that is not Golovkin. Is exactly. an effective machine that picks his punches wisely, knows when to change timing, plays with distance, and destroys his opponents. I mean, even so, which fight do you think was closer, this one or the Jacobs fight? Two. Damn. That's a good question. I think this fight was um I think this fight was closer uh only because I felt that Jacobs fight was uh Glovkin was the clear uh you know ring general throughout the the entirety of that fight. It was I feel that Glovkin kind of dictated the pace of that fight for the majority of it. And I guess he did in this fight too, but like to watch Glovkin be gun shy 
Like, he wasn't gun-shy against Jacobs at all. No, he went for it. Right? But So to watch Golovkin, the fact that he was gun-shy is the fact that this was the tougher fight for him. Here, here's something underrated that I think people aren't talking about is early on. So one of the things that you measure when you're scoring a fight is ring generalship. And one of the things that I like to look at is like, okay, who's dictating the style of the fight? And many times in a Golovkin fight, Golovkin's doing it because guys are racing around the ring trying to get away from him. <laughs> right. Okay. But yeah. one of the things we saw early is that Canelo was just like, I'm going to stay on the outside and I'm going to circle. And he fought like right. the way guys normally fight, but it was out of choice. And he he basically picked and choose cho- picked and chose, chose. when he was going to come inside and fight in the center of the ring. And he did well at at both places. And I think that, that my, it, it's it's just a weird thing that he was able to basically get the better of Golovkin in both of those instances. And uh, it, based on off of our conversation, do you think it's fair to say that one of the biggest headlines was that Canelo did way better than anyone expected him to and that Golovkin didn't look as great? Yeah, and I, I think really what it is is that um, if you ex- even if you expected Canelo to win, like you thought he was the more intelligent or you know the better fighter going into this fight – you didn't expect the fight to happen in this manner. Does that make sense? Like, even the people, like, my thought if Canelo was going to win was it was going to be in the middle of the ring, not, you know, the way that he kind of negated Glovkin's offense and kind of made Glovkin very picky and choosy about what he would sit down on. Like, I, I didn't expect that kind of battle because I think Canelo won that battle. Like, the the way that the fight, the, the, the way that the fight is fought and the, the dictation, I'm sure the fight was fought off the ropes, which it was Glovkin's ability to kind of push Canelo there. But Canelo was able to get off them when he needed to, you know, when things got really bad. Um, it, it was just, I really expected Glovkin to sit down and get that body work done when he had Canelo against the ropes and just lean into it. The, the fact that he didn't is just still astonishing to me. Uh, so I got two kinds of texts after the fight. One was that Canelo looked amazing, and I didn't know that he was that good so, along those lines. And the other right, type of text right. that I got was like, oh, wow, Golovkin isn't a monster. And right. I think I th- Canelo, if anything, elevated himself. Well, and you know, I, this is what I was saying before, man. Is if Canelo had just lost, just say that last scorecard got turned in, you know, for uh, it was 118-110 Golovkin. Yeah, it's sure, whatever. Right, Golovkin would have been Golovkin. getting the the heat. I think Glovkin not only would have gotten the heat, but I think the narrative after the fight would have been like, damn, Glovkin won, but shit, Canelo is good. Right. Like that's what people would have been saying. But instead, all we're hearing is a bunch of nonsense and crying about scorecards. You think either of these guys are upset about the scorecards? Both of them are leaving the arena the exact same way they did, but just with a boatload of money in their pocket. Yeah. I mean, they don't care. They're going to do it again. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Clubkin gets to go home with all his belts. Canelo, you know, doesn't get a loss on his record. Everybody's happy, man. I think a lot of people, though, 
I, I've always they didn't assess these guys correctly. So like I've always stood by, and I think you can attest to this. I've always stood by that Canelo is really good. Yeah. And you can You've say a lot for about years. what he does outside of the ring. And, you know, I, one of the things I think about Canelo is that he's, he's hard to like, and I know he's got a ton of fans and he's the biggest draw in boxing right now. And that's really weird to say, but I think amongst the, 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 the fans that have the, are very vocal, on social media, I th- and especially on like Reddit or something, Canelo isn't that popular because there's not a lot to identify with him. I mean, you identify with him because you got red hair. Exactly, and we're both pale. But you know, he's 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 basically not like a normal person. I mean, the, the guy was a superstar at like 15 years old, so it's just not the same thing. And um, and I've always thought his his skills were the best. Some of the best, amongst the best in boxing. I mean, he's one of the top pound for pound fighters, so that explains that. But a lot of people didn't see him that way. They just saw him as like, oh yeah, he's the guy that you know he gets all the fights basically that are he's gonna win. And he I gets think, nar- oh, and it's all or it's you know when he's in a test, he narrowly gets by. Yeah, right. Trout, Lara, right. That's always been the narrative. It's like he's good, but he needs help from the judges to get by. Right, and then at the same time. I think a ton of people were also bought off by Golovkin's highlight reel knockouts. And they didn't really see that. If you really looked at Golovkin, specifically in the Lemieux fight and the Jacobs fight, and to an extent the Stevens fight, Golovkin doesn't always fight like a monster. He doesn't treat every fighter like they're Daniel Gill and he's just going to destroy them. <laughs> he actually knows, like, it, and again, he, Golovkin is an intelligent fighter. But that's his He's very yeah, good. That's a sign of his intelligence and his ability to, you know, come with a game plan. Exactly. And, you know, Jacobs was able to withstand him. And, you know, I actually think if Jacobs wouldn't have gotten reckless early in that fight, he wouldn't have gotten dropped. I mean, the dude put his hands down. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what happens, okay? Uh, I, I predicted that this would be uh, the kind of fight that set up a rematch for next year, a draw. That's what we got. And that's how I've, I've always felt about this fight, that it was going to be really close. I thought uh, Canelo would be able to win a, um, you know, in my heart, I guess you could say. I felt close go- decision. Canelo was going to get a close decision, whether he deserved it or not. Right. Um, and that's not what no, we No, you wanted know. him to do it because you just wanted the glove, you know, the Glovekin fans to finally be deflated. You, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know. Part of part of having friends that like the same sport as you is you know basically busting their balls and hoping that they they they're more miserable than you are. Um, <laughs> you know what was funny? Um, going into this fight, you know, I was talking with my wife a lot about it. She was obviously really interested in it, and um, you know, one of the things best that I do to boxing. I'd, yeah, it makes the, sense. One of, <laughs> one of the things that I had said to her was that. Um, no, no matter like I'm like no matter who wins this, this is probably going to be like the legacy fight for them. The, this could be the fight that they're remembered for. This will be the fight that you know that they could be in the Hall of Fame for. <laughs> Definitely not the case. No, I think that's the case because they're going to do a rematch, and, and, and we've seen fights in the past where there was controversy in the first one, and they had to do it again. I mean, um, so okay, who's Ward and who's Kovalev? In this fight? Yeah. Uh, Klovkin's getting stopped next time. 
Oh, I thought you were talking about the first fight, and I was really uh, no, saying, no, 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 no. Uh, and, uh, no. For the second one, there's no, there's no, 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 no. You know, here's here's why this isn't the case. Actually, let let's talk about this later when we talk about Kovalev. Okay, okay, fine. Because I, I think you're gonna come in with some heat, so I, I want I want it properly set up. No, you got it wrong. But go ahead. No, I, I think uh, you're gonna come in with some really stupid, controversial opinion, a hot take, basically. <laughs> And I'm just going to sit here and let you talk yourself into hate mail. All right. All right. So I was there live. I didn't get to listen to commentary. So you got to tell me how biased okay. were they. And, and, and just so you know, like being there live, I sat around a ton of people from ESPN. Will Kane from ESPN was sitting in front of me. I could have kicked him in the head. <laughs> Should have. <laughs> um. <laughs> he is a conservative. Um <laughs> And I'm from California. You, you see the difference? So. Uh, I know you're from the Northeast, and you have a different set of views, Connecticut, rich, no, etc. No, no, but let's no, keep moving. Don't. Let's keep moving. No, we don't. <laughs> okay, so, but Would the consensus around the everywhere we're all sitting is very close fight, and it seemed like a lot of people were favoring Canelo. That's their uh, live, the okay? It's very different when you're there live. So you watched on HBO. Yeah. You got to listen to Harold Letterman's nonsense scorecard. What did you hear? I heard Harold give his nonsense scorecard, and then I heard Max say things to the effect of, well, but, you know, a reasonable judge could have it, you know, you know one round knows to how to two. judge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, there was a lot of, like, qualifying from Max, but um, Harold, I, or uh, Lamps and um, Roy Jones were not necessarily that, like, uh, far off from Harold, if I can remember, but it was I remember Max um, being the kind of lone lone voice of reason that like that you know may not be the right scorecard or you know any objective observer may have been giving rounds to Canelo. Uh, so. Same thing he did in the word Kovalevies, like I don't know, exactly. guys, this isn't exactly yeah. what you think, right? And um, and I think that just goes to show you that. Uh, I don't want to say Harold's getting old, but I, I don't. That's just his judging preference, man. He and he's shown that bias time and time and time again. Someone right? should show um, him the World Star fight comps because that seems more up his alley now. <laughs> All, no, no, no. The last, the last fight that that Harold scored was the uh, was the closed circuit video from the. Terrence Crawford uh, in Dongo fight gas station robbery. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's, uh, that's like one of my favorite fighters. I'm not gonna let you disrespect like that. No, he's one of my favorite fighters. That's why I get to disrespect him. Dude, I, I've I've met Crawford. I'm not disrespecting. I've spent him. more time. I've spent more time with Crawford than you have. I, I was close enough to smell his breath. Okay, I ate. I, was I shared a fried chicken leg with him. Like, Dude, what no, do you, you didn't. Yes, I did. You you shared a fried chicken leg. Nobody shares a yes. fried chicken leg. No self-respecting man is going to share a piece of chicken with another dude. Like He was trying seriously? to make weight. He was trying to make weight. He took a bite. He's like, you want it? I said, yep. So basically, he's giving away to the needy. He's a no, great guy. He's he he trying to make weight. Guy. I'm just saying, we got it like that, man, bud. <sighs> well, actually, I'm just not even going to keep going here. Um... Other takeaways from the fight before we start to move on to other things. Um, Vegas was great. I, I was there. 
um, when I was walking down, um, I think it's Las Vegas Boulevard, actually, it's called. I was walking down towards T-Mobile, and there was a freaking Canelo parade. <laughs> like, just, like, random people. There's a band playing, and they're just all just chanting Canelo. Just a bunch of pale redheads walking down the street with no shirt on. It's uh, a Canelo parade. No, I mean, it, the, the thing that really surprised me is that there were, first of all, there was tons of fans decked out in Canelo and Golovkin gear. Funny that what does a lot that of translate fans, into It doesn't buys. translate into pay-per-view buys. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but there was a ton of fans that were decked out in the gear. And it was like, there was tons of fans. There was lots of overlap. Like, you saw white fans, black fans, like, all in... That's what's beautiful about Canelo boxing, Canelo and Golovkin gear. Like, it, there, there was no rhyme or reason yep. to who was, who was uh, decked out in the colors of either guy. Bunch of Cossacks wearing Mexican flags. That, well, first of all, it's, the Kazakhs really stuck out because they're pale, they, you know, they kind of have a particular look. They were all definitely Golovkin. Um, But, you know, you see Asian people in Canelo gear. I mean, it was just so funny to see some of the people, like, just like a full-on Canelo gear. Uh, But other than that, it was, you know, it was packed in T-Mobile. That's the beauty of boxing, is it brings together people of all different races, classes, ethnicities, and, uh puts on a show that everybody can understand at a very core level of being a human. Yeah. It, one yeah. of the things that That's T-Mobile... It, I, I actually don't like the How arena. How is T-Mobile? Let me, be, let me be honest, because the aerial shots of the T-Mobile on the HBO make it look like garbage. It looks so ugly. But <laughs> then like when they basket. do the... But when they, yeah, exactly. looks like an Easter basket. But when they do the shots of like the front of it with the big screen and everything, that looks kind of nice. But it's the arena itself is really, really nice. Even outside, it's really nice. But here's the one problem I have with it, and I love the Grand Garden. Like in MGM, like first of all, the Grand Garden is like built by somebody who doesn't really like didn't really think things through. There's only one way in or out, so <laughs> it takes forever to get out. Um, God forbid there's ever an emergency. It's, it's, it's like it's like for, if you're there for your first time, it's really hard to find. There's so many twists and turns, as you expect in a casino. They're trying to make sure you don't get out. Um, lots of twists and turns to get to the Grand Garden. Um, and it's smaller, and the seats are plastic. I think they're plastic. I've never sat in the seats, but they're, I think they're plastic. They look plastic, at least. Mm-hmm. So they uh, the, the sound reverberates in there. T-Mobile is uh, is what I assume Barclays is like. It's really nice. Barclays it's clean. is beautiful, though, dude. It's yeah. big. It's um, Don't mess with Barclays. It's 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 a really nice arena, but it just there's too much to do outside that people don't come in until the main event. That's the one problem. That's the difference between at MGM. Basically, if you're not in the casino, like it's it's a long walk to the to the arena, and once you're in there, you're in there. Right. And at T-Mobile, everyone hangs out outside. There's a bunch of stuff to do outside, so why go in until you have to? Yeah, that makes sense. So that's that's a difference. Um, well, here's another thing. Back to the fight. I see a lot of people making a comparison to Can- Canelo's performance with the Laura fight, Laura's performance. Like, how stupid of a take is that? Seriously, did you watch the fight? Laura did not try to throw punches the way Canelo did. All, not all fighting on the back foot is the same. Unless no, you're Harold no, Letterman, no. baby. But it's right. not all the same. Canelo knew when to engage. He backed him up. Like, what did Laura do in that fight that has you actually think that the fight – like, just think of the entertainment value. Not for nothing, Canelo might have fought with his back off the ropes for a handful of rounds. 
but he sure certainly didn't fight scared. Like Glovkin was the one that was kind of fighting scared. If you had to say anybody was. And, and, and was, I mean, just strip away that part. Was it an entertaining fight? Exactly. Yes. It, it was, it was entertaining super entertaining. Fight. It was very fun. All it needed was a knockdown. One of those big punches from either guy that had landed. But then and, it would have been. had created a knockdown. It would have been a beautiful fight. But then Bird might have scored at 120 to 107. Uh, okay. Rematch Dude, she time. only found two rounds for Glovkin. That's crazy. It'd be funny if they were the first two rounds. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I will say that um, what was kind of Canelo has himself to blame is that he looked gassed. And whether he was or not, that's irrelevant because the optics matter in a fight. And in, yeah. in some of the rounds, whether he landed the better shots or not, the optics were that he was losing the round because either he was on the ropes, kind of looked tired, or when he's dodging punches, some of them look like they're landing. They may hit shoulder, but it's happening so fast that if you're scoring the fight, it's like, oh, that, that Golovkin's beating him up. Look, he just landed this in is exchange. The, right. This was the point that I was trying to get back to, uh, you know, that I started off making is that scoring, boxing, it's way more art than it is science. And it is extremely difficult in the moment. When you're watching from one angle, a fight play out live in an arena with fans going crazy around you, like you and I have done this plenty of times from press row, it's nuts and it is difficult. It is not easy to score a boxing match live uh, from one angle. Especially because of the thing, you know, you think Canelo moves fast on TV? Wait till you see him in person. Like, everything is just happening at a faster rate. And, um, it, you know, I I will forgive anyone, basically, for having a, one bad card or a bad card here or there. Because judging boxing is tough stuff, man. It is tough stuff. It's, like you said, G G Glovkin throws three punches. Some of them, you know hit off the shoulders or, you know, roll with the chin. You tell me, when a punch hits a chin, but then the fighter rolls with it, still a landed punch, now it's up to you as the judge to decide how much that punch matters in the overall context of the round. Like, yes, it landed, and then you have to make that decision while other things are happening and you're trying to reconcile those other things that just happened as well. Like, there's just so much, you know, going on. Um, what I really hope to see in my lifetime is a bunch of young, like this boxing renaissance that we're going through, get people that are young into the sport and wanting to cooperate with the sport and wanting to make it better and becoming amateur judges and becoming professional judges and creating a movement of just people, you know, who love the sport. The only people who judge boxing, you don't fucking get rich judging and refereeing boxing. It's not where you make your money. Nope. You just don't. It is, and you know, for that matter alone, you know, from a corruption standpoint, it, it is not a rich man's game. You do this because you love the sport of boxing. So, if the sport of boxing gets anything from this renaissance, I hope that it is more people who love the sport and want to become good, competent, professional, you know, judges and referees. Here's the thing, just to add on to that, and again, I'm not trying to defend the scorecard at all. I'm just trying to point to, I guess what you're pointing to is like, everyone has a bad day and it's not always corruption. 
And judging is a tough job, as is refereeing, as is being a coach. Because it's funny how these are the kind of professions which everyone thinks that they can do better. <laughs> right. Everybody who's never done it a day in their life thinks they can do better. And so it's, it's, it's funny. The, the outrage for this is very unique. Like it, also, like, you know, the outrage for like, well, why didn't this why, – why, why didn't they tell Kovalev to hold? It's like, do you want right. to go chain Kovalev? The guy doesn't listen. Right. And I'm not and I'm not trying to defend the scorecard either. I'm just trying to color it in and put some context around it. I, I, I guess all. what I'm trying to accomplish, and I think you'll agree with this, is that I'm trying to take attention away from the scorecard because for me, I don't care about the card. This is the thing that I've come to in boxing. I don't care about scorecards. I don't care about titles. I don't care about pound for pound rankings or sanctioning body rankings. I don't care about any of that. You know why? Because all of that is subjective. And all that matters is my opinion. And I right. watch enough boxing to know, like, I know who wins fights. I know who the best fighters in each division are. I know who the real champion is in every division. Golovkin's the real champion at middleweight. I don't care who has a lineal title. He's the best fighter at 160. I know who the best fighter at 154 is. I don't need anybody to tell me anything because I watch the sport. And I know that winners and losers are opinions. Of three people, it counts on a record, but so what? D why do I care about someone's record? I care about who's good. And I don't need your record to tell me if you're good or not because you know what? Roman Gonzalez has a really good record, but you're not going to sit here and tell me that he's a really good fighter anymore. You know, that's probably not the, the, the nicest compare or um, <laughs> you know, analogy to use. Cold. But that was fucking cold. Gonzalez <laughs> is not Gonzalez anymore. Dude hasn't woken up yet, and you're already ripping him. I mean, we could get on the undercard. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about Randy Caballero on the undercard, who was 24-0, I believe, going into this fight with Diego De La Hoya. Are you here to tell me that that is a great fighter because he's undefeated? Because in every one of his fights, every he's been found the, the, the winner, and he ends up looking absolutely terrible. And I, I, I mean... Diego De La Hoya wasn't the greatest fighter going in, like potential, but defensively there was a lot to be desired, and and you know, it, or or am I to believe that that was the better fight because both guys were undefeated, and Canelo since he'd had a, a loss and a draw before his fight with Golovkin was the best. No, just use your brain, use your eyes. You know what's good. You know who wins fights. I don't care about the scoring. It's something to, to argue about for sure, and we can certainly do that. But there are other things I think to talk the about. worst part about the scoring is that one, not everybody has the knowledge base that you have. Therefore, they don't make the opinions on their own. Like you could make that opinion and you could trust that opinion because you made it and you know what your knowledge base is. Not everybody has that. So they need to look to other experts, i.e. judges, you know, to help figure out who the winner of a fight is. So I, I see what you're coming from. I think it works for you. I don't think it works. For, I know that it doesn't work for everybody. That's but the, fine. Really, the biggest problem with this fight and the biggest problem with this scoring is it's taking the attention away from what was otherwise a very, very great fight that lived up to its potential. Uh, how many fights do we get? Not many. How many live up to their uh, full potential? Even less, right? So we finally got one in all everybody's talking about on Sunday morning is a fucking rogue scorecard, like, which is so stupid and pointless to your point, um, that it gets a little frustrating, you know, cause for me, 
it's so easy to get distracted from what a great fight you just saw, right? Like, yeah. if you focus just on the scorecard, you don't get the same satisfaction from the fight. So if I can, you know, give any kind of, you know, um, thoughts to, to people listening, it would be, like, let go of the scorecard for a minute and just have enjoyed what you got to see. You got to see an amazing performance by Canelo where he had to pull out every single defensive stop that he that he probably has in his bag of tricks. And not only did he have to use them, he did use them and they worked well. And then you saw Glovkin go after somebody and he had to totally adjust his style because, you know, his style wasn't going to work well against Canelo. And we saw him fight a fight that we've never seen before. Like, there was so many good things for this fight to get lost and the scorecard is kind of tragic. Um, I completely agree with that. Uh, but we need to move on and we need to talk about Miguel Cotto. He wants the winner in December. No, he doesn't. Stop it. No. <laughs> Whether no. you think Cotto no. has a chance to win or not, I, I'm not going to debate that, okay? I don't care. I think Kamagai has a better chance. I don't think that Cotto saying that is legit because I, I'm pretty sure that they know Canelo and Golovkin aren't going to be back in the ring by December. No matter how this fight played out, the one thing that was guaranteed was pain for both guys. And I don't think they're going to be ready by December. Right, and they're returning in May. Yeah, it's, it's May <laughs> yeah. 5th, 2018. Book your room in Vegas because that's when the rematch is happening. That's when right. you'll see these guys in the ring again. But that was a nice try, Cotto. I really did appreciate that. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, and Look, he buys, but... Speaking to um, what you were talking about earlier, he does buy some public, uh, what do we call it? Like The public's going to buy that. They're going to be like, oh, man, Cotto, he's so tough. He wants to fight uh, the winner. But guess what? He already lost to one of them. He already lost one of them, and he probably brings a better buy rate. Oh, no. I don't um, I don't know. Just don't saying. Know. Don't know. All right, well, the undercard, we talked a little bit about the Caballero-De La Hoya fight. I mean, Caballero looked like he didn't train for the fight. That's that's what, what it boils down to because I picked him to win the fight. I know how he fights. That's not how he fights. My guess is that they they figured Caballero's been out of the ring for a while. Maybe there's something going on in his life. Perfect time to give him his first loss and against none other than Diego De La Hoya. And don't want to take anything away from De La Hoya because he, he looked really good. But it's hard to judge when an opponent looks that bad. So you got to hold off on judging De La Hoya for the meantime. Jojo Diaz versus Rafael Rivera was an interesting fight, and I think it was clear that Diaz was either going to lose or really struggle with Jorge Lara because the Lara-esque things that Rivera did, they really worked. He tagged Diaz with some hard shots early, but the one thing, Rivera looked like a bantamweight in there on, the, on their way in. He looked really small, so there was no way he was going to put a dent in Diaz, who looked massive over him. And then Ryan Martin versus Francisco Rojo. It, it, the, the decision got booed in the arena. I think most people had Rojo winning that fight pretty comfortably. I think Martin didn't really start winning rounds until after the fifth, which means that at best it could have been a draw. But uh, Martin got it, which might have been... Never mind. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders versus William Monroe Jr. I would talk about this fight, but you might either turn off the podcast, fall asleep, or both. 
And you're t- he's talking to me right now. What do you mean I'm talking to you? Oh, you think <laughs> I I'm would talking to you? turn off the podcast. I would stop recording and fall asleep. Yeah, I mean, one of those things is bound to happen, whether it's to you or to the listener. That's from what I hear. I was, yeah, I watched. I, I had it. the it position to turn on the fight, and uh, yeah. everything. Everybody was telling me like, "Wow, this is pathetic." Yeah, it, it was. It was just. Uh, it was shockingly bad uh, from what I expected. You know, out yeah. of them, but the, the Saunders' last twelve rounds combined against Canelo and Golovkin. No, what? No way! No way! And then Callum Smith uh, apparently squeaked out a decision over Skoglin. I have not had the chance to view these fights. Uh, I had a long drive back from Vegas. Um, let's see. Sergey Kovalov. Let's get on to Sergey Kovalov now. I can't remember what we were talking. Oh, yeah, we were talking about um, earlier. He's got a fight coming up against Vyshlav Sobronsky. And um, no trainer either. And earlier we were talking about who would be Kovalov in the 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 rematch if we, if it follows the ward kovalov um path in the rematch someone's got to be kovalov and i wanted to say to you i don't see Golov, golovkin or canelo being kovalov because neither of those will quit on themselves ooh ooh and again i know I you're know. a kovalov fan you're a fan of all the eastern european fighters so i apologize but that's how i see it that's not true Dude, you love Kovalov. Main event is is tight with us because of you. That, uh, whatever. I don't like that racist prick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but before Anyways, you found out that the guy you know, dropped like n bombs all the time and 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 all that stuff, you were a big fan of his. I was, um, but I was a bigger fan of Wards at any given point. Uh, let me just tell a, a little personal story. So my dad is white, and um, he, I, you know, occasionally I'd put, he'd watch sit there and watch boxing. And one of the guys that he always liked was um, Golovkin, obviously, and Kovlov. And he always mixed up their names. And he always wanted to know though if Ward, if either of them could beat Ward. And I, I, I don't know why, but he always just like always said. Do you think Kovalev could beat Ward? And every time it was no. And then he saw Kovalev get beat up by Ward. I think, I don't know if he was happy or not about that. <laughs> I should ask him. I should bring him on the podcast and just, you, you'll see, just, it'll be real funny to hear casual yeah, talk about Kovalev. That'll be good. Um, yeah, I don't think either of them would be Kovalev per se. Uh, I think that if, oh man. I think a rematch. Shit, it's so hard. Does a re Does a rematch favor Glovkin because now he's not going to lose those first three rounds? He's going to go into this fight a lot more confident and and pick up the pace uh-huh. right from the go. I like or, this. Right, like that. You know, that's my gut tells me. You know, he's going to fight round thirteen, right? You know, um, or. Does it favor Canelo because he know he knows Glovkin's power? He's eaten a good shot. He uh, could you know knows he could quote unquote survive. So it's just it's very difficult. Um, it, it's very difficult to say. I think I mean my my uh, my gut says it favors Canelo though. He's his youth, 
and uh, his ability to gain knowledge from this experience, I think it goes. I think the edge would go to. I would give Canelo the edge. And he improves in. every fight. Yeah. He always seems to be building on his skill set. Here's why I think it'll favor Canelo. Canelo. Ganello. Ganello. That's a great fighter right there. Combine these two guys. Um, So, first thing I noticed in this fight, Canelo was wearing winning gloves. There was a rumor that he was injured in in camp, an elbow injury, and he broke his thumb recently as well. Those winning gloves... um, that's it's an interesting storyline there, and well, those are f- the pillow gloves. Right? Yeah, a full yeah. If you don't know, winning gloves are seen as like the ultimate hand protection, punt uh, non puncher gloves. Eric Morales forced Marcos Maidana to wear those when they fought. Okay, so he was wearing and winning gloves, like, and he usually uses yeah Japanese gloves for training too. Yeah, they're, they're very expensive, like the best very high training. end. Yep, G- Golovkin. Um, well. Canelo usually uses the Everlast Puncher's gloves. Why the change? When more than ever, now you need to punch. A puncher's glove, yeah. So and so, let's play this out, okay? Let's say that Canelo did have an injury. I thought he looked pretty gassed after two rounds. At least he was showing the signs that he was, uh, he was um, definitely winded. So if that's the case, he might have not have trained the way he normally trains. And the stamina might have come from not being able to do the kind of sparring that he usually does. Not oh, sparring because as hard. Of injury. Gotcha. So okay. let's say that Canelo has a few more rounds in him to basically be very active. That adds a couple of rounds, maybe, to his total of rounds that he wins. Assuming that the fight goes exactly the same way, maybe one or two more rounds it turns into a Canelo round. Then the other storyline is Will Golovkin's age catch up with him? So this is a guy that's 35 years old. He's going to be 36 next year. And it's at this point in time where if you're 36 years old and you're in two straight fights where you get tagged a lot by big punchers. Jacobs tagged him a lot. I don't care what you say. He hit (laughs) Golovkin with some monster shots. And Golovkin, his chin is even better than that. So he took those shots, nothing. Canelo hit him with clean shots all, all night long, nothing. At some point, it's At the jar point. thing. You know, we always right. talk about... It is. You, if you... Sometimes there's a jar that you get, and you try to open it, and it's freaking tight, and you can't open it. And you finally get frustrated and say, here, can you try opening this? And that person opens it like it's nothing. And you didn't realize that you actually loosened it, loosened it up enough that the next person had an easy time with it. Right. You put in 90% of the work to loosen it, and then all of a sudden they pop it off like it's a feather because there's only 10% left to, to open. And are, when are we going to reach that point? And we inevitably will. You cannot fight the way Golovkin does and maintain that for a long time. You have to adjust. So Roman Shit. Gonzalez is a brilliant Angela, example of this. You can't fight the way Hopkins fights Well, <laughs> and get away with it forever. But Roman Gonzalez is a better example. You're, yeah, you're so absolutely right. We, we, saw the, we saw the... Uh, we saw the wear and tear maybe get to him a little bit in that first fight. And then in the second one, not looking so hot. Uh, another example we could point to is Roy Jones. Highly athletic yes. style. At some point, he just lost the reflexes. 
And Golovkin isn't that reliant on on reflexes, so it's not the most appropriate. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> ask yeah. his face after a fight if he has reflexes. Yeah, the guy's neck doesn't move. <laughs> yeah, um, but <laughs> also one of the funny things we're just gonna—I guess we're just gonna keep coming back to the fight. Uh, the yeah. two things that I think were the biggest criticisms of both fighters, like they were just on full display and taken advantage of. So Canelo's kind of low output. And his stamina issues definitely played a part. And Golovkin's yeah. non-existent head movement. Oh my god! Last yes. last uh, last week at the um, Gonzalez uh, Rungvisai card uh, during one of the undercard fights, uh, the dudes were just trading, just standing in the center and trading. And, but they were trying to box. But they were trading, and they, they neither guy could miss. And some kid, a kid, and you could tell because this was definitely a prepubescent voice uh he yelled out somebody move your head anybody because these guys were just awful with head movement and it like it, a lot of people started laughing in the crowd when when they yelled that because both guys it was really obvious these guys no head movement they're gonna get knocked out when they move up their level of opposition but Golovkin did not move his head too much and i know people were talking about his defense and stuff and his defense was actually very good with his blocking punches but the slipping wasn't still it just Look at how many jabs Canelo landed. He landed a ton. And those are heavy jabs. And uh, so those are those played a big factor in Canelo winning rounds. Let's... Uh, did, was there anything else we want to talk about, Kovalev? Uh, just that I don't... I think he'll end his career without another significant victory. Oh, so just that. So you just want to yeah. basically say that Kovalev's career is essentially done as a world-level fighter. I'll, I'll drop that and walk out. Yep. Okay. So what you're saying is he's done. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't. I'm not saying that he's going to lose this next fight, which I think he might. Um, <laughs> wow, Shabronsky, that that is something. Ward, no, Ward should be jailed if Kovalev loses his next fight. <laughs> Ward, Ward has to get kicked out of boxing if Kovalev loses. For, um, that, that that's assault. Oh my god. Anyway, go you know, on. Ward, Ward gets another win on his record <laughs> if Kovalev loses. <laughs> So basically, um, Ward should get co- credit for all of Kovalev's future. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, but seriously, I, 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 I you'll never see uh, Kovalev win another uh, significant victory, what especially if he, if he starts pulling this stuff without a trainer. Oh well, you know that's the other thing. He he, he doesn't want a trainer. He says he doesn't really need a trainer. So right. going the Beibut Shubinov route, which is cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's not it's just just so you know, Kovalev. The Beibut Shubinov, I trained myself thing is not good on TV. Like, it's really weird it's... when they cut you in the corner and you're just staring it's... off in the distance. <laughs> just kind of looking around I always... like, huh, I wonder what I should do next. That's why I always said Shubinov should have brought a mirror into the corner so that he could hold it up and talk to himself. We're, we're, we want to watch a boxing match, not a scene from <laughs> The Shining. <laughs> All right, Vasily Lomachenko is going to fight Guillermo Rigondeau this December. I would love to take Rigondeau in this fight if it were a catchweight. But they're fighting at 130 pounds. That's oh, my eight, God. That's like two Rigondeaus. That's eight pounds that Rigondeau is giving up. And Rigondeau is already a small, super bantamweight, doesn't rehydrate much. He's giving up eight pounds. Rigondeau's fought a total of three rounds in the last two years. Three rounds of professional boxing. 
If Rigado wins, <laughs> it would be an absolute amazing, amazing accomplishment. But the guy is 40 years old or something close to that, and I don't see him winning. Yeah, I I just, you know, I think the, the best thing is, um, you know, Lomachenko isn't a super power puncher. He is more accurate and volume and precision than he is power. Uh, so Rigondeaux does have that in his favor. At least he's not going to walk in. He is going to walk into the ring with somebody who's probably 10 to 12 pounds heavier than he is naturally and then does hit harder. Um, and Rigondeaux is uh, known to be off balance a lot. Uh, I could see a lot of knockdowns <laughs> happening. Uh, a lot of knockdowns in you this fight. You think Rigondeaux going to drop Lomachenko? <laughs> That's it. Yes, a lot of knockdowns. <laughs> So, um, this I don't see this doing a good rating on ESPN. What do you think? I think this gets a better rating on ESPN. This has more views than Canelo Glovkin has buys. No. We'll see. No. No it, way. It will get 600,000. Canelo Glovkin's going to do a million buys. I don't think so. I, I say under a million. It's going to do a million buys. A million. No way. No Okay, you know, we'll you know who would do a million buys? Deontay Wilder. He's going to face Luis Ortiz in November at the Barclays Center. You're planning to go to it. Um, I'll go to the Lomachenko fight, too. I want to go to both. So do you think Luis Ortiz is good as advertised? No. I think uh, Wilder's probably going to knock him out. Hmm. I think Luis Ortiz is going to get tired. Like I think Wilder's just going to be the more athletic, quicker fighter who's able to wear out the bigger, slower man. And then I think uh, Wilder will be able to put some work in on him. Are, are, I you... think uh, I think Ortiz is hits hard as hell, has a good you know foundation and background. But I think he's going to. Um, I don't know. I think I think it's going to be a great fight. Well, Ortiz is a, around thirty eight according to Boxrec, and there's always been rumors that he's older than that. That he's 45, right. And like Rigando, in the past 14 months, his opponents have basically been David Allen and Malik Scott. And where Rigando didn't fight too many rounds, Ortiz went rounds with both guys. I mean, somehow went 12 rounds with Malik Scott. I mean, That's Jesus. insane. And then Dave <laughs> Allen, it took him eight, seven, eight rounds to stop him. So Ortiz is, has been on a decline, if you ask me. And he's peaked... Uh, in one fight yeah. and basically been riding, riding off of that peak. I mean, his big, I mean, he burst onto the scene, knocking out Luis Vodon or Matias Vodondo, which is like, cool, man. That's a, a you know, a very rugged heavyweight from Argentina. Good job. Yeah. That Argentinian guy. Yeah. And, you know, he stopped Bryant Jennings. I mean, and it's jar thing after he went 12 rounds with Klitschko and took a beating. So like, how good is Luis Ortiz? And you know, I'm not sure why he's so popular. I mean, when you look at him, he doesn't look spectacular. I know Max is did a, a thing when they he first debuted about how he's a monster at heavyweight because he's a southpaw, and that means that since he's Cuban and a southpaw and can punch, he's oh, you know a beast. They, they flated the hell out of that guy when they first had him on HBO. He was going to be the next big thing. But. Jeez, why, why wasn't Anthony Joshua popular then? Because they would have just put him down and talked about Joshua the whole time, hoping to right. get him. 
I mean, Wilder Joshua, though, that'll do a million buys easy here in America. You Wilder agree with that? Joshua? Hell yes. Hell yes. Heavyweight fights yes. still do big numbers. People, exactly. People may, that may go under the radar, but it, they do. Wilder Ortiz, I don't know, does a million, but Wilder Joshua, definitely. No, Wilder Ortiz does not do a million. Right. You can't Wilder, find a million like, people that know Luis Ortiz's name. Can't find a million people that know Joshua's name. I mean, that know um, Wilder's name, shit, dude. I don't know about that. I don't know about Half that. Half of Tuscaloosa doesn't even know who he is. That's because they can't spell it. <laughs> I'm sorry, people from Tuscaloosa. That was mean. Oh, that was mean. I know. Uh, let's talk about the fights for this week. Mario Barrios will fi- fight. Will face. <laughs> Mario Barrios will face Name Nelson. Naeem? Naeem Nelson. I don't know. PBC <laughs> on FS1 Tuesday. Decent fights for Tuesday. Um, then we have a card on ESPN on Friday night. Friday night. Oscar Valdez versus Genesis Cervania. Now. This is an interesting fight because Valdez seems to have hit a plateau. We seem to know how good Valdez is now and how good he isn't. And Cervania is coming in as this Filipino unknown. Now, here's the one thing I will say. Cervania did fight Naoya Inoue in, a, in an exhibition, three-round exhibition, and Inoue schooled him. So I don't know if I'm putting Inoue over or talking about Cervania being bad, but I'm as admittedly a big fan of Oscar Valdez. I'm very um, worried about this fight. I don't like. I don't like this fight for Valdez. I, I, I'm Why not? hoping style-wise. I think Cervani is better than advertised. I think he's being oh, wow. brought in as basically like a Filipino dude with the, with who's never been heard of, um, who's been uh, uh, who's just got a good record. But Cervania has been ranked in the top 10 in his division for a while. He's basically been one of those guys that has been waiting on the outskirts of a division, just waiting for his opportunity to get a title shot. This is it. Oh, he's also, um, most of his career has been at a lower weight class as well. I think he was a, ban- a super bantamweight for a while. And um, let, let me just check. Yeah, he's been at super bantamweight, and this will be his, uh, his third fight at featherweight. And so... Um, a little hesitant. He's the thing about him is he doesn't really. He's not a puncher at all. So if if he can, it's going to come down to can he withstand Valdez's power and Valdez does come after everybody, and if he can outbox him, uh, it's an interesting fight though. I would not miss this fight Friday night. And then the undercard, Gilberto Ramirez versus Jesse Hart. Jesse Hart has been one of top ranks prospects for a very long time, and this is, they're finally going to do something with them. And they're going to put him against Ramirez. Yes. Uh, I think Ramirez is Owen going to beat Hart's him. Owen Hart's brother, right? Uh, his son. Right. His brothers are all like 50-something now. It's his son. Okay. Yeah. Um, he basically... No. I no. Don't want to don't, don't don't, go here. Don't. Keep moving. No. Um, Saturday, <laughs> we have a heavyweight fight. Joseph Parker versus Huey Fury. Uh, you know what the interesting thing is? This is hey, gonna, this is a good fight. It this is a good, a good fight. fight. Yeah. And it's on YouTube pay-per-view. Don't know how much I like. I like the idea that it's on YouTube. On uh, pay-per-view. <laughs> you didn't, you caught the, the, that part. No, no, no. I Tw- like the part that's, uh, I like the YouTube part. I think that's really cool. It worked really great with the Billy Joe Saunders fight. I watched that on YouTube. That yeah, was but awesome. it's 25 bucks. No, I love YouTube fights. It's great when a fight gets on YouTube. Yeah, but I'm not paying 25 bucks for this fight. 
I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even pay a didgeridoo for this fight. That's one dollar, you mean, in America or something? Yeah, one one U.S. dollar. So we've been talking about Huey Fury for a long time on this podcast. I mean, from, oh my god, I think from he's the better start. than Tyson Fury. He's the next. He's the next Mike Tyson. He, you know, he's Glovkin and Guillermo Rigondeaux all in one. These are all things you've said about. No, that's Yuri not. Fury. That's not. You're talking about what I said about Luis Ortiz. <laughs> Luis Ortiz is old enough to be Huey Fury's dad. <laughs> Seriously, you know, you know, like you know, the next like Thomas Hauser. It's gonna be some dude from Reddit. He's gonna like fly down to Cuba, get Luis Ortiz's birth certificate. Dude's gonna be sixty-five, <laughs> and, and write a five-thousand-word piece about it. <laughs> and then write, yeah, but then like refuse to show the birth certificate. <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, yeah. <laughs> This is a good fight. I think um, Fury has the skill to outbox Parker and the length to do it. So Parker's really going to have to figure out how to, to get through the reach and how to land his power shots because Parker didn't look spectacular against Andy Ruiz. But Andy Ruiz is a... Oh, yeah, right. Like, not that great. I was hoping you were going to say something stupid. like, But Andy <laughs> Ruiz is like a heavyweight... Yeah. Earl Spence. <laughs> yeah, right. But with the footwork of Lomachenko. No, that's Luis Ortiz again. Oh, right. Errol Spence and Rigondeau footwork at heavyweight. Uh, and then also that day, there's a cruiserweight fight, the World Boxing Super Series. Uh, seriously, this fight, you cannot miss. Oh, God. Is this Usyk probably or something? No, Usyk already fought. And Usyk's fight was awesome. Usyk's better than... Usyk's better than Lomachenko. I just want to let you know that. I know you're you're a Lomachenko fanboy as well, but Usyk's better than him. I doubt it. Dude, go watch the fight. Seriously. Yeah. Usyk is amazing. But Dordikos, you hear Dordikos... Who who did he fight? Who did he fight? Marco Hook. Yeah, what's up? What are you going to say? You got nothing to say. That's right. No, 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 that's right. Huck was relevant in 2012. Oh, and and Miguel Moriago was never relevant. And his only chance of relevancy was at a division below where Lomachenko fought him at. Oh, yeah. I I thought, oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you just get a ride to um, uh, your work in New York calling an Uber that Salito drove? (laughs) Wow. Or does he own your house and he went to collect rent from you? I don't know. Yo, you went 21st century diss on him. You went millennial diss on him. You didn't even call him a cab driver. You called him an Uber driver. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm a millennial. I think I'm like one year before millennial, but we can get no, on to not. the discussion. I'm a millennial, buddy. I'm a millennial or you're a... I am. Therefore, you are. How? You're older yeah. than me. That doesn't make I any know. sense. That's, that's what I'm getting. I'm telling you, it, it, goes, it, it goes up right to my birth year. What? Okay, never mind. Yep. Dordikos and Kudrya- Dmitry Kudryashov. Can't miss fight. If this fight is under three rounds, Kudryashov, that means Kudryashov knocked Dordikos out brutally. If he goes, When is this fight on? Saturday. Saturday okay. evening. Of course, you can't watch it on TV. Uh, you know, they weren't able to secure some, a TV 
uh, carrier. So I don't know how we're going to watch this. But um, Junior Dordicos, if it goes after, if it goes past three rounds, Dordicos is going to stop Kujiashov. I mean, Kujiashov is one of the biggest punchers in boxing with the, like a, a, a teeny tiny gas tank. <laughs> That's funny. What, what weight class are we talking about? Cruiserweight. Oh, Cruiserweight. Dordicos also was in some controversy because allegedly he put some sort of acid on his gloves. Oh, this dude? Yeah, this is the guy. No. This guy's still around? Do you remember that? I remember that acid story. Dude, it was like last year. Yeah. Yeah, I remember this. Some dude on Reddit was like, I have proof. I have proof you put acid on his thing. That was the boxer himself. <laughs> so, some just up. random Reddit user. <laughs> a random little amateur investigator went and confiscated Dordico's <laughs> gloves. It's like, checked his they, gloves out. The, they got the a colors sniffing on his off. gloves, sent them to a uh, mass spectrometer. And they sent them to the same people that handled the Cotto Margarito investigation. They sent them to the same people who drug tested Canelo for uh, the glove confinement. Nobody drug tested real, him. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a real reputable lab. Yeah. Is that, you know is that why Golovkin's going to come clean? <laughs> Do you know how they collect the piss? They just flush it down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> the the inspector comes in and he goes, uh, Canelo, could you just piss in that toilet for me and flush it? And that will be your sample. Oh, man. Um... You guys want to... So here's... You ready? If you're still listening, you, you want to you bitch about the problems in boxing? Don't bitch about some silly little scorecard. Did these fight? Were these fighters drug tests? Test? Were they tested? I don't know. <laughs> Me either. Okay, like, so in the in the AMA with Jorge Linares, I asked about it. Did you see oh, that? Yes. And he didn't even answer the question. He even, dude, he didn't even touch he, it. It was like he didn't even know what I was talking about. Let's look up the answer because. Um, that was I was like it really was, shocked because it was like completely not the the answer I was looking for. No, it was a complete non-answer. Um, uh, so I, you know, I guess all I'm trying to say is our sport has bigger problems than uh, you know a judge turning in oh, a Jesus. bad card. You uh, you you even responded. So I said, Boxrec has you listed <laughs> as being part of Vada's drug testing program. Can you explain to us what that entails? How much do you have to pay? How frequently? Have you been tested in the last six months? Are my questions vague? <laughs> Not at all. They are extremely direct and very clear. Jorge says, Golden Boy is in charge of that stuff. I just focus on keeping myself prepared physically and mentally for my next fight and let the managers take care of those things. So does your manager t- uh, take the test for you? <laughs> Probably. And you said, judging from his response, it means jack shit. <laughs> Not for nothing. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Chepo who's given the blood samples for Canelo's fights. No, that would have come up as like high cholesterol and <laughs> stuff like that. He's pregnant. Diabetic. Can- Canelo's pregnant. <laughs> uh, uh, we have more fights to talk about. Uh, Jorge Linares is going to fight. I'll be at this one. Luke Campbell on Saturday night. Um, right. do- Explain yeah, go to on. me yeah. why I should be excited for this fight. 
Jorge Linares is fighting. I like watching Jorge Linares. But... Yeah, that's it. Okay. What what else is there? Uh, just I don't know. Like uh, whatever. No, go. you you have something that you want to say about Luke Campbell. So go ahead and get it <laughs> off your chest. I know you're trying to be. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice, but uh, I I just like to me it's one of these like well why why am I watching this? Uh, I don't know, but who knows? Maybe it turns into a great fight, right? Right. Come Who's on. gonna win? What a stupid question. <laughs> so, Campbell's problem. No, you know you know what this is for me, right? I'm just pissed that I really, you got me sold on Luke Campbell early on. I was oh, watching. I, I thought you were going to go somewhere else. Okay, I'm actually glad uh, you said this. <laughs> yeah, no, I ain't trying to do that right now. No. You got me sold on him. You got me sold on him really, really early on. And well, I, I remember I watching him. <laughs> It it just sucks, dude. He he had he looked so good. Like he really looked like he looked like he could be the like a, a really good not the one, but he looked like he could be a really really great you know fighter. And um, I'm just you know, and I don't even care that he took a loss. It's what he's done since then. <laughs> you know, like anybody could catch a loss. It happens. But like I don't know. The second I think he's going to get to any type of opposition. Lenar is included. Uh, he's going to be done for again. Okay. Okay. Say what you want to say. Campbell is a classic example, a classic example of somebody who bought their own hype. And, you know, it happens a lot with British fighters. They hmm. buy into their hype. Wonder they think, why. I don't know. But they, they, they buy this... This notion that they get in the public like, oh, they're a puncher or they're a supreme boxer or whatever. Well, because they got half the fucking country behind them. <laughs> like, they got everybody in their ear. So Campbell... You know, in America, in America, Crawford walks down the street. Nobody fucking knows who he is. But these people are legitimate sports figures in the UK. No, that's a, that's a really that's a really good point. Um, so they buy into the... They get the ego, right? Boxers in America... They don't have that ego. The fucking boxers in America. Errol Spence goes into his own gym. Half the people don't know who he is. Like, it's just the culture. Whereas UK, God bless you guys, that much, you know, more support for their boxers. But I think it lends th- to things like this, like you're about to explain. Yeah, and and that's exactly what's happened. Um, Campbell buys into his own hype, thinks he's a puncher, goes out and tries to punch guys. Yvonne Mendy puts him down. And I, 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 I think, Yvonne Mendy. I think that Lenores has a thing about beating up British guys. <laughs> he gets off on it. <laughs> he, I think he does because you know he's beat up Corolla, Corolla twice, beat up Martin Mur- or not Martin Murray, the other Murray, Mitchell, Kevin Mitchell, um, and now he's gonna fight. Um, Campbell. I mean, unless he's really just trying to get over in the UK. I mean, fine. That's that sounds no, smart. It's just what the it's just the UK supports boxing in a way that um, that that we don't. And he just he's able to make a name for himself because this is what happens in the UK. We send one of our fighters over there, whoop up on their asses, and then all of a sudden <laughs> they're like, "Oh my God, this kid is good." Lenar's like Lenar's is good, but I mean, he ain't like 
amazing. He's not an Andre Ward, right? Um, no, he because... does do some really he does do some really slick, like cool stuff. But uh, you know, so all I guess what I'm trying to say is, you beat Kevin Mitchell, you beat Corolla. All of a sudden, you those are <laughs> decent. <laughs> Those are decent-sized names in the UK. Now you're a pretty well-known fighter over there. Yeah, absolutely. What's wrong? What did I, what did I say wrong? You called him Corolla. He's not a car. <laughs> it's a Camry. He's, he's, Camry. Not, he's not an economy-sized uh, compact Anthony. car. <laughs> it's Corolla. Does he, does he have a hybrid model? Uh, he did, but then somebody uh, hit him with a brick. Or was it a cinder block? I don't know. <laughs> a machete. Um, that was Kelbrook. Yeah, I know. But, but so I that, mean, that's my point. How is bad you make did an ink for yourself whooping up on those guys, though. Right? That's yeah. It. I mean, I don't really think people want to hear us talk about that. They want to hear us talk about Kelbrook um, walking through a machete attack. How funny would it be, though, if Linares went and like, beat up Khan after this fight? Like, well, Billy Joe Saunders what? is trying to beat him to that, and and I just want to say, Billy Joe Saunders, like, if you if at any point maybe you were going to get respect from anybody, it, it possibly could have happened after beating Willie Monroe Jr. But you literally had to ruin everything that you had going for you dude, by calling out Amir Khan. Like, really, dude? The balls on this kid are insane. Like, <laughs> like it, it just seems like you know, there's companies that their marketing is just all over the place. Where every like every time they 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 like do something, it's like, who, what 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 demographic were they going after? And that that, that ad is actually kind of racist. Right. And I'm not saying that um, that Saunders did anything racist, but it's just like that kind of stupid. Like, why are you calling out Khan? Right. That that would be like Khan calling out Anthony Joshua. Yep. Actually, no, that makes sense. Actually. But it would be, <laughs> but it would, it would be like, it would be uh, like Lenares beating up on Campbell, and then saying, you know what, I want to fight Oscar Valdez now. It's like, dude, he's like, two weight classes below you. Why? Yeah. Why? Or actually, it'd be Why? more like Lenares calling out Donaire, who fights this weekend. <laughs> Oh, dude, that was a body shot. Like my stomach hurts. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean Golovkin calling Damn. out. I mean, just uh, what would it be like if Golovkin called out Khan? They're both middleweights that hold world titles. Like, how how bad would it have been? Khan is not a fight, middleweight that holds a world title. He's not. Uh, he's not anything oh, that holds a world title. Oh, you mean Joe Saunders? Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. No, but I'm like, sorry. I'm no, sorry. I mean. What if Golovkin called out Amir Khan after the fight? He would be fucking ridiculed. Like, everybody would have forgot about the scorecard. It would have been like, Golovkin got some Like, Canelo knocked something loose in his head. He should have won that fight. <laughs> this dude is calling out Amir Khan. He, what does he think? This is 2009? Oh, my God. It, it, Jamal you know, Charlo's going to call out Manny Pacquiao after his next fight. That's the example. There you go. If you've ever had any respect for Saunders, it just has to be gone at this I mean, point. It wasn't gone after he let his son punch uh, Monroe in the nuts? <laughs> I was cool with that. The son landed more punches than Saunders did. <laughs> I've got a son. So I'm like, I- I'd be I'd be down if he punched my opponent in the nuts. I would slap the cr- 
yeah, my son did that. I've been like, first of all, <laughs> good shot. Second, bam. <laughs> no, I would have slapped him, and then I would have said in front of everybody, "Don't you ever throw a hook like that again." You left yourself open. <laughs> you put your hand down. You see that? You just got it. You didn't even see my shot coming. Thumb up. Thumb up. I mean, that's also why I don't have a kid. Like, this is the kind of parenting you could expect. Jason, on the other hand, more mature than I am, does have a kid. But I've heard your, your kid screaming in the back. I mean, I haven't heard him screaming in the background in a long time. No, I, I shut him up. <laughs> So basically, you treated him like a British boxer and you're Jorge Linares? Exactly. <laughs> like the entire British lightweight scene. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, let's see. Is there anything else we need to touch oh, on? you know with... who he needs? Linares needs to get that Gavin Reese fight. <laughs> That's what Jesus. Gavin Reese hasn't fought professionally in like two or three years. That's that's who Saunders should have called out. <laughs> give me Gavin or give me death. Oh man, Gavin Reese is was an interesting fighter. You remember the Broner fight? How everybody thought oh. that that was the blueprint on how to beat Broner? Oh my God! I yes, I do, I do. We were we weren't recording back then. Uh, man, that no, was what was that? 2012, weren't. 2011, 20, nah, 12, 13. That was a hilarious yeah. fight. I remember saying that, that, that was a hilarious fight. That fight was so funny. It was just, if you haven't watched it, just <laughs> go back and watch it. It, it really, it, it, it's worth the laugh. I mean, I'm not trying to disparage the good name of Gavin Reese, but I always thought he looked kind of like a big baby. But he, <laughs> yeah, yeah one, I can see though, that. For sure, a tough one. No, a tough baby, but a baby nonetheless, because he's bald and weird looking. But, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we'll leave it on that. Yeah. Um, let's tie this back into Golovkin. Um, Number one ranked Venezuelan lightweight, though. Gavin Reese? <laughs> yep. You didn't know he's Venezuelan? <laughs> no, no, Linares. Yeah. I, 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 that's, that was my assumption that he was the number one Venezuelan lightweight. I wasn't sure, though. Thank you for clearing that up. All You're right. Welcome. So, but if you, if you can name me the 20th ranked right now, I'll pay for you to go to any fight you want without box rec. If you can name me the second. Venezuelan lightweight? No box rec. Um, Jesus, this is a good question. And I actually might be able to get it right, too. Uh, you hear him? Venezuelan. <laughs> Darlie's Perez? Oh, that was that was smart, but he's not ranked. He might. He's from one of those countries. He's not from Venezuela. He's from... No, Perez, is he Filipino? No. He's he's South. I saw him fight a Filipino. Maybe he's cute. Where's Darlie's no, Perez? No, he's not Cuban. From? I've seen his defense. It ain't Cuban. Darlie's <laughs> Perez is from. Is it Venice? It's not Venezuela. What are the countries no. nearby? I don't know. This Ecuador. Is... Oh, he uh, might be Columbia. from. He might be from he's Colombia. From Columbia. Yeah. Colombia. Yeah. Ah, who is the number two? I'm gonna be really mad if I if I was gonna guess him. Christian Baez. B a e z. Nope. nope. What what is no. he like? What is he like? Twelve and four. Fourteen and zero. Fourteen okay. and zero. Okay, respect, respect. We'll respect. see you soon. Respect, respect. He'll he show up on a, a PBC FS1 card soon. He doesn't have a picture on Boxrec though. <laughs> Upload your own. <laughs> I'm gonna sign up as his manager right now. Okay. Um, last thing about Canelo Golovkin. What are the what? What should be the final takeaway from that fight? 
I think the final takeaway needs to be that um, when you get two elite level fighters that both respect each other in the ring with each other, um, it doesn't always make for a boring fight, right? Like this was a fun, fun fight. These were two fighters, top of their game. Don't care what you're saying. If Glovkin slowed down, don't really believe it. Um, I just, you know, this was a fun fight. The bottom line is it was a fun fight that unfortunately got overshadowed by um, a bad card. And the real sad part of it is that people, the, the true influencers of the sport aren't helping. And that, so you want to talk about the death of boxing or the bat, black eye on boxing. The black eye is that the the true, true influencers of the sport, the ESPNs, the whatever, right, aren't taking the reasonable, logical approach to this. And they are because they could get more clicks and they could get more hype and they could generate more interest with the boxing is corrupt angle. When really we know what the true angle is, we know that it was a tough fight to score. We know that judges have a hard time and, and turn in bad scorecards. And for fuck's sake, the outcome of the fight wasn't that bad. A draw. <laughs> like, nobody lost. So, you know, I, I think the, the real takeaway for me was to see what a shitty job um, the people at the highest end of the sport did at, at the outcome of this fight. They took the easy road out. They, should, they could have taken the hard road and they could have built up the sport and they could have taught people something about the sport. And they didn't have to take the easy angle, which is to toss blame at Oscar and Golden Boy and claim corruption. That's the easy way out. Anybody, any, any idiot could parrot that at the water cooler Monday morning. Not any idiot could parrot the kind of thoughts and philosophies that we have about scoring and judging and, you know, how difficult and sometimes arbitrary it seems. Right. So that, that's that's my takeaway. Yeah, that takes some mental discipline to not go into your immediate emotion or reaction of like, oh, this is an outrage. I, and, right. And mine is my final thing is pretty similar to yours. And it's that boxing proved this weekend that when there's a big event and a big fight, nothing touches this sport. Nothing comes close. Nothing provides the kind of excitement that a big time super fight does there's when, no when moment. you tell me right when when canelo and glovkin are standing in the ring face to face gloves on and the the final rules are being read to them before that bell rings you cannot tell me that isn't the most intriguing time in sports ever. yeah when they're when those two walk back to their corners and they're basically warming each other getting warm their last seconds of getting yep. warm as the referee is waiting for everyone to clear the ring, there's no that feeling is like the that. Moment. That's it. And every second of every round in the fight, and especially in this one, does not compare. No sport, no sporting event can compare because boxing, every second matters and every punch matters. Every every punch could be the last one of the fight. And what this was this weekend was it was a clear example of that. There wasn't a knockout, but every punch mattered. 
and it did even when it came down to the to the result of the fight because the the result actually was very you know there was controversy and there was something to talk about and that's what people were left with after this weekend is there was something to talk about we can talk for hours more about this fight we can talk about Golovkin's uh changing his his strategy or his style we can talk about Canelo's defense we can keep talking about I mean we can go on for hours about the scorecards and what rounds we could give to what guy and who deserved what rounds and which ones were the swing rounds we can keep going on and on and that's that's what makes this this event so great and it's why the rematch I hope is even better because one, we got an entertaining fight, and two, we got something to talk about for the next eight, nine months before they do it again. Well said. And, you know, anybody who, who's gotten to this point in the podcast and is still crying robbery, the one thing that I would suggest you do is rewatch that fight, score it, and then as you're scoring it, put a little asterisk next to any swing rounds, any rounds that a logical observer, knowledgeable of the sport, could possibly give to the other fighter had they have that preference of judging yep and just see where you end up uh, that's and that's how i score fights usually i always keep track of which rounds are are close always or swing keep rounds. track of swing rounds because always. i always make a little note to myself that yeah sure glove can one round seven but potential swing round you know i that I, way you could go back and you could see what the acceptable ranges of the scores could be and, and it helps for you comparing like, you know, sometimes you could drive yourself crazy by thinking I had that eight to four. How is it any other way? Well, oh yeah, I marked down the swing right. rounds. Okay. Conceivable, not my preference, not even what I believe, but conceivable. And as long as you can conceive and it's like in law, you know, if there's a reasonable doubt, you know, it's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. So Thanks for listening. Um, follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. I, I, yeah, we have Facebook. Um, I don't handle that stuff, though. Please um, give us a rating or review on iTunes. Um, I've been thinking, if anybody's, a, if anybody's still listening and you're a graphic designer, uh, I would like if you could message me. I'm looking for a graphic designer, someone who's good, because a lot of the designs I see are crap. And if you think that you can do better, partner up with me and we will, I'll, I'll put together a store for you and everything. What he really needs is somebody who can uh, take this image of Amir Khan and turn it into like Ooh. an 8-bit graphic. So, Don't even go there. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back. Actually, I, I think we might do another podcast this week. I think there's a, there's enough interest to do another yeah, dude, recording on this fight. I could talk for another two hours about this fight. Like, definitely. I could too, but I'm, I don't want to hear your nonsense because I know you're... Likewise. You're... <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening. No, not really. No, not really. I've upset the boxing more now and, and, and say that if that was me in there tonight, I would go off I'd have beaten. I'm telling you now, I'm not even joking. Super middleweight. The amount of people that's told me that tonight. I would have had height, reach, size, weight, strength. I don't think he'll go up. I don't think he'll fight a super middleweight. He may or may not fight the correct, you know, super middleweight. But I can't see him wanting to jump up and take on any strong super middleweights based on that performance. He's a middleweight. Okay. You're not hinting at nothing then. I said it ages ago, didn't I? Too, bi- too big and too strong. <laughs> and I was having a look around tonight at the ring walk and. Uh, 
I was I was liking what I was seeing, but um, no, I don't get too excited.